0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It turns out that when you deploy technology, there are unintended benefits to it. And it's been my experience with a lot of the technology that we deployed in the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office, we recognized shortly afterwards that there were so many other uses that in many cases were far greater than the benefits of its intended use. And it may turn out that electronic monitors may fall into that same category. Matthew Dennis, founder and director of enforcement, asaprelease.org joins us. Matt, welcome to the show.
2: Uh thank you very much. Good afternoon, so, what do you think about what I just said Matt? I think that I think that g p s has been misunderstood it It seems like it's a cure all but what it truly is is it's a Swiss army life of opportunities. There's a lot of different things you can do with the technology. We just don't understand how to apply it um the victim protection things we talked about last time, juvenile protections. I mean, there's alcohol, there's different types of uses of the technology that open a lot of doors uh, post conviction instead of jails. When uh, our biggest problem today is the change of our society, the decision that we didn't want big jails, and that's put a crunch on criminal justice when it needs this big giant place to use as deterrence, it's not there. So ankle monitors become a great place in between the hard jail and, you know, complete freedom. And it gives you that opportunity to maybe pay the price for whatever you did, but maybe not do it in jail. So before we get to to that part
1: of the before we get to that part of the conversation, you say understand. I wonder sometimes whether or not we have agencies across this country that are deploying the technology for the sake of deploying the technology, because everybody's deploying the technology, and they're not really thinking it through as to how to weave it into their organization operationally. Because when you do take the time to do so, you recognize the benefits that the technology has to offer in, on so many different fronts, Right.
2: In every city in America, except New Orleans, of course, and the surrounding area that we've converted, you you have a judge that issues an ankle monitor. And then nothing really happens after that. There's no interconnection between the DA, the victims group, the sheriff, or other entities. And let's say that it's ordered out of Orleans, but they live in Jefferson. There's no further communication to go to Jefferson and say, hey, this guy's in your community. And there's all kinds of communication. It's not just, is he following the judge's order? But let's say the judge says he can go be out from 7 to 7. He's allowed to be out on the streets. Well, that's going to be the time that if he is a regular habitual thief or something, he's going to be out doing those things. To go to the second level and let the sheriff's department in Jefferson or wherever know that they can use this technology to check these crime scenes and come back and catch him, there's so many levels that aren't understood. You just look at it. I'm going to put you on ankle monitor, and I expect you to follow these rules. Our criminal justice system doesn't even have a mapped out process to make sure they're doing that, let alone knowing the other three or four dimensions of this process.
1: So where's the breakdown? I mean, I know that you have said that there are some judges that they're not buying into electronic monitoring.
2: Well, there's 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 judges. I think when judges see true accountability and true solutions, there's no buy in. It's just it's it's. No, no, it's common sense. You have to, when a gentleman runs out of a courtroom or skips a court date and he wears an ankle monitor and now he's showing up in court and he's keeping his address up to date and he's going to school. I mean, it's very easy to see the difference. The breakdown is, in many instances, a judge will order an ankle monitor and three, four months, six months, eight months, a year down the road, people forget he's even wearing one. There's no laid out the process you don't understand as a sheriff you were a sheriff you could get you could sit in a class with me and i could give you some understanding and you'd go wow that's really cool technology but you would need me there to answer the questions because you don't know this stuff Mm -hmm. we didn't design a program based on a bunch of people that knew what they were doing being part of the building of the program you have a judge that says where the ankle monitor and then we don't close that circle and that's what we've worked on in orleans we really have closed that circle and that's why you're seeing so much more success. The breakdown typically isn't the person in the ankle monitor itself. It's they got out without an ankle monitor or things like that.
1: Right. Um, so where, where do we stand? I know that recently y'all reported that there's a list of 1,460 major crime scenes that have nothing to do with any particular individual. But you have defendants on your program that you have monitoring on at it seemed to have, be always around trouble, right?
2: Yeah, we have. Well, we gave that we received that list of fourteen hundred and sixty uh, violent gun crime matters from this year that were unsolved as of the time of the list, and we were able to identify thirty instances, thirty-ish, where individuals have some explaining to do. They're going to have to explain what is being displayed, and you know, at NOPD is quick and they're working hard and they're they're on top of it and there's not a whole lot more to say about that the one thing i'd want to repeat over and over to everybody is you know because i think it's important don't commit crimes while wearing your ankle monitors that's the whole point we want to be able to provide look no we don't have anywhere to put people i heard your last guest talk about arresting parents Where are you going to put them we don't have a criminal justice system designed to do that we don't have what do we? Thirty thousand violent felony crimes committed each year with a twelve hundred bed jail. How uh, how quick do you think you fill that space up? Well, well that, we ha- that's we thirty, have-
1: but that that's no, it's not. It's not even at it. That's I think NOPD is making somewhere right around thirty thousand felony arrest. Well,
2: there
1: you go. And in, in in a year, I know at one point in time we made twenty nine thousand felony arrest in Jefferson Parish, and we have eleven 1, hundred bed jail.
2: And, uh, and you got to remember, you, know, you got an NOPD that's short-staffed, and they're missing a lot of arrests that they could be making. Sure. So but I, I know at you, one
1: time they were making thirty to thirty-four thousand felony arrests a year.
2: Absolutely. And the, where do you put these people with twelve hundred beds? How yeah. do you? And the type of crime in Orleans is a little bit different than Jefferson at this point, the level. And I think that when you cycle those people into a jail, you end up quickly overcrowded. Juvenile has the same problem. I think the one thing the ankle monitors when properly used, when truly accountable solutions are deployed, you can actually use it as a space mitigator. You can mitigate this space. You can make sure because, you know, we're talking about parents and juveniles and school and, and truancy. Truancy is a precursor to, you know, jail inmate populations. I mean, if you're going to be skipping school, you're going to end up sitting in a jail cell somewhere in life. All right. Mm-hmm. And, how are you going to decide who's going to be in SL? That and that's what we really have to focus our attention on. We have parents that are really, 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 really trying really, really super hard, and they have absolutely mm-hmm. nobody that can help them because the system is stressed out. It doesn't have any avenue for parents to go. So you have a parent that screams to me to come help them, and you have a non responsive court. Because the court says, what am I going to do with the kid? you're sending me 67 violation reports on the kid, but I got know where to put them. I think Raphael said in an interview the other day that there's 40 beds in the juvenile system. Well, I' think it takes mm-hmm. to fill that up in the city. okay So there are groups of well kids Matt, that you, we know, can help.
1: you know as you know as well as I you have to have the ability of what is called shock incarceration right yep, uh, yep. That, that there's that there's some accountability measure to violating here it's part of an overarching plan we were jail. we've been jail overcrowded in jefferson parish since 1974 yep before orleans was ever jail overcrowded and but we thought about things holistically and understanding that we needed to have so many beds in a jail for chronic property offenders or albeit you know we weren't going to be able to deal with that sector of the popu- of the criminal population you know in right. the city of new orleans they had over 6,000 vehicles stolen so far this year. You have to have some beds available to do to to have them incarcerated. Those that are stealing 40, 50, 60, 70 automobiles. You got to take them off the street. Those are impact players, right?
2: And we and it's need the that same. We, yep.
1: It's the same with all of this. It's the same with your program. An investment in your in your program with ankle monitoring means nothing if they're not going to give you some beds to shock incarcerate these individuals. Absolutely. But they know that they're going to spend three, four days in jail. Their life's going to be significantly disrupted. They're not going to see the girlfriend. They're not going to see the boyfriend. They're not going to see this. They're not going to see that. They understand there's a sanction for their behavior. But if you're, we're, but we're not communicating. If the judge
2: is going to order a bracelet, if the judge is going to order a juvenile onto an ankle monitor, A juvenile who is in the part of their life where they must listen to adults. They don't get to make adult decisions. Everything is about listening to adults. So you put him in this program and you say, you will follow these rules. And then we come in and we say, you will follow these rules. And then he breaks those rules. And then we tell that judge. And that judge does nothing. That judge has done more damage to that child than if they would have skipped the GPS process altogether. You can't use this deterrence if you're not going to give us that space you speak of because we have to prove to him we mean it. And then you'll see this kid start to come around, and he'll actually start to be more productive. But if you show him that we have no real teeth, then we can't help you. That's just not going to work. There's no amount of accountability that works if it's broken in any part.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I dealt with this in Jefferson Parish with some judges, you know, electronic monitors being cut off 13 times. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, how, how, what, what, how many does it have to happen before we develop the ag- exit strategy? You know, there needs to be an exit strategy with, with, with folks that are just completely, totally noncompliant. And that, that, that exit strategy is butt ugly. Nobody likes it. Nobody wants it. But the reality is you provide opportunities, you give you give them chances, and when they violate, there has to be the sanction. you got to go to jail, plain and simple. And, and it's you over. Pay the we're, price, not, yes. we're, we're not wasting resources on you any longer. We would be much better served taking that electronic monitor that you've destroyed 13 times and put it on somebody else who's going to be compliant and have a success story instead of a failure. You're, you failed, you're out. And for whatever reason, and I know it's hard for you to opine on this, but some judges just don't get it. You know, they want to be the nice guy. We can save everybody. No, we can't save everybody. It's impossible. It, that's an unreasonable expectation. It ain't happening.
2: Right? Right? Absolutely. I can give you actually an example. You say, oh, Pine, I can say this. Um, TV Mike Perlstein did a story on a gentleman that was ordered to take a drug test in the courtroom, left the courtroom after violating that judge's order, cut his ankle monitor off in a Home Depot near the courthouse, and yeah. the judge was absolutely against in any way, shape, or form helping be part of the solution. Every single judge in that courthouse but one would have immediately issued the warrant based on our phone call and notification. But this one judge says, I'm not doing this. I didn't order it. And it's silly. It was a silly position to hold because as a criminal court, felony court judge, this is his obligation to uphold the court orders of the lesser court to sent the case to him or vacate it. But what he did was he created a bigger problem. This guy then gets pulled out of his attic by a SWAT team only to be released again by the judge to have him come back into the courtroom again, fail the drug test, run out of court a second time, this time not wearing his ankle monitor because the judge never ordered it back on because he didn't want to take part in that because he didn't order it. There's, There's one judge in the Orleans Parish adult system that's a problem, and this person who took his ankle monitor off fled to courtroom, has been ordered back onto the ankle monitor as of yesterday, and he's going to get back out of jail on an ankle monitor. The case has been moved into a different courtroom, which is odd, but it's good because now we will actually have a judge that is responsive, and then what we've done is teamed up with his family, his mother and his sister. His sister's actually a social worker, and we're working to get him help. And we're working to team up with them if he does cut it off again so we can steer him back into the system and get him straight back out after he's clean again and try again. This is the only way it's ever going to work if we handle each individual one at a time. And we don't need judges who want to throw stones for who knows why. It's the only process that's truly working in our community right now. It's facilitating the very small jail. It's making people available to their families while still letting them pay the price. We need to do more and not less, and we shouldn't be fighting each other. So there are judges that are a problem, but most of the judges in Orleans are not. We have really good judges in Orleans right now that have learned that this is a good well, process.
1: not being necessary, necessarily critical of just the judge. It's the overall system. It's the mindset. It's the psyche, right?
2: And it's the That's psyche probably of a the community. bigger commu- problem, uh, Newell. Uh, in New uh, Orleans, the they don't want to do private entity. They don't want to do business with a private entity in New Orleans. That's our bigger problem more than any individual judge or anything else. They, the criminal justice system has a difficult time teaming up with a private entity, and I'm not sure
1: what, why. What, what do they fear? Compliance? I don't know. Accountab- I don't understand. Accountability? Performance? I mean, it, well, is, there, is, there, is, there, is there a criminal justice system uh o- operation that that's outperforming the the private sector the private sector well, hires the private sector every day <laughs>
2: to do things for them well <laughs> I mean, here's my position the the people yeah. that are getting these guys out of jail are obligated the the bail yeah. agents are obligated to make sure that these people perform and return to court and do what they're supposed to do this isn't actually embracing private sector new, this is making private sector better that already works with you that the ability to arrest people lies in the hands of the people who's holding the custody of that offender and that in most cases in the city of new orleans is their bail agents so when you have bail agents who are regulated by the state who are going out there and working to make sure people are going to court following court orders it makes the system better we're not a bail bonds company, but we work with them just like we work with sheriff's departments and the FBI and the U.S. Marshals and everybody else, the district attorneys. So, I mean, the the point is, what we've done is taking an existing entity that's a private industry and said, "Hey, man, stand up. You guys need to be yeah. responsible." And they've said, "Yes, we will." And they, they my do exp- My last, experience. So.
1: My experience tells me, and I saw it. I would venture to say that your records on these criminal defendants are far greater and far better than any record they have sitting over there in that courthouse. Why? Because there's a financial aspect when the private business is running it. They're not in the business to lose money. So they got to perform. And if they don't perform, they'll lose money. Plain and simple. That's why private sector outsources the private sector every freaking day. But this, this is why elections matter. Because we hire people that are ignorant and don't understand business operations, operational efficiencies, how to weave something into an organization programmatically to where it actually makes sense. And it's going to hit the outcomes that they desire. Plain and simple, Matt. I mean, you know, and, and we could talk about this till the cows come home. But this is a great technology. You've got to embrace it. You got to exploit it. You got to figure out the more ways that you're going to benefit from it, and it pays for itself. That's the irony here. Before it's all said and done, you know what the cost was of that um, SWAT team going back out and getting that guy. Huh. The moment, the moment that we make these judge, some of the judges that are making these silly decisions have to. If we, ha- if we had to, if we had the beauty of this, you have to pay for it if this is what happens because you made this decision watch how fast this changes right they got nothing to lose they got nothing to lose in the end we might have the monitor on the wrong person No, maybe i shouldn't have said that matt dennis it's always a pleasure to talk to you thank you so much for joining us today have a great weekend thank you. you too. all right we'll be right back
0: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for
1: professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank Welcome back, folks. Mike Haas, vo- voice of the New Orleans Saints, joins us. We're going to do something a little different today, folks. We're going to quiz Mike as to who is going to fill in for everyone on the injury list to see whether or not he's on top of all of this. We don't have that much time, do we? we have enough time for that? I'm not certain, Mike. I mean, every time I open a story, somebody else is hurt. I was like, oh, yeah, my God. Uh, I think, the, you know,
3: we'll get the official Friday uh, report at three o'clock today. And that will kind of give you who will be out uh, questionable, doubtful, stuff like that. And you have five guys who have not practiced at this week. And so uh, unlikely any of those guys. And then one of the limited practices is Chris Olave. He's in concussion Mm -hmm. protocol. It's rare. You can make it back in a week, but very few have. And so and you're looking at No Rashid Shaheed, No Chris Olave, No Mike Thomas uh against a very very good Detroit defense and a very <laughs> outstanding Detroit offense. So, it'll be interesting. This is be, you know they've they've been relatively not injury free, but they haven't had this type of uh you know decimation in positions like receivers uh in, until right, you know, this, this last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, the 8 and 3 Lions come into the um uh... Superdome, the Caesar Superdome against the uh, Saints, five and six. The Lions are ranked single digit in every category, offense, defense, passing, and rushing. It's pretty incredible.
2: Yeah,
3: and the, the big difference is, to me, when you watch them offensively, is that they, they score touchdowns. They have 36 mm-hmm. touchdowns, um, oh, wow. 17 rushing touchdowns. David Montgomery has nine rushing touchdowns. He's only played in eight games. Jameer Gibbs has five rushing tests. so they put it in the end zone. Um, they average almost 27 points a game. Now, where they have been uh, vulnerable is with the turnovers, and, and that's just recently. So the Saints are plus six in the turnover margin. They're at six best in the NFL. The Lions are minus five, and that's 23rd in the NFL. Minus five to be an eight-and-three team and be minus five. But that's really just the last two weeks. They were minus three in week 11 minus 3 in the turnover margin and beat Chicago. And then they were minus 3 in the Thanksgiving Day game with Green Bay and lost. So they've been minus 6, three interceptions and in, uh, from Jared Goff in week 11, three fumbles from Goff uh in week 12. So if the Saints are going to do anything, it's going to be pressuring Jared Goff into having one of those outings. If he can have one of those outings, I mean, the Saints got to stop the run. I mean, you know, we, we watched that with Atlanta last week that you know, until the Saints stop the run, that's all the, uh, the team's going to do. So, in which, you, you're not going to be able to really get Jared Goff into a passing situation unless you stop the run. So, that's first and foremost. But to me, you're right. They're, they're single-digit across the board uh, for for a good reason. They, don't, they they don't they don't hurt themselves very
1: much, and they put it in the end zone. That's always been Goff's Achilles' heel, though, right? Hurries. Uh, I mean, he's... yeah, they have been He has been
3: sacked. I mean, with just 20 times. He's got 18 touchdowns, eight interceptions, uh, and, and five fumbles. But, again, they, they – so three of those eight and three of those five fumbles came in in the last two weeks, right? So, yeah, if you can get him to where you can get pressure on him where they've got to throw the football, you know, it's a different ball game. But that's kind of – that's the, the trick is that how do you, you know, with Dave Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs running the football, and they've got a pretty talented group of receivers as well. Uh, is to get them into some obvious passing situations where you can uh, pressure golf. They haven't sacked him a lot, just 21 times. Uh, the team, him, only 20 times. Uh, so, you, but
1: you got to get it done. You got to. Yeah. Now they've been kind of lighting it up with in rushing over 1500 yards so far this season. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Again, David Montgomery's got almost 650
3: yards. And Jameer Gibbs, he's the rookie. He's got almost 600 yards. Uh, And, yeah, they, you know, they're – it's a pretty – it's a lot like, you know, Atlanta. This is a a dual threat uh, running game. Now, golf is not – you know, he is not going to be a running quarterback, and that's probably good that the Saints are going to face really a a non-RPO guy in his eighth year out of Cal. uh, He's going to sit back in the pocket more like Ryan Tannehill, so hopefully the Saints can can get where they can – stop the run and, and, and get to golf. But, you know, really, the if you looked at that Atlanta last two drives last week that Dennis Allen talked about is when you can't stop a team that's going to run and you know they're going to run and they still run, man, it's, that's, that's tough to overcome. And the Saints are going to face that first and foremost from Detroit early on because they're going to say, all right, well, you know, stop us. And then if, if you can, then it's a different ballgame. But if you don't, it's going to be a long day.
1: Yeah, after watching the uh Falcons film at, at their training camp, I I'm sure it's going to be a very similar game plan. Yeah, just you right? know,
3: you know, run the ball, you know, they do a lot of zone, just kind of simple runs, you know, to the outside and or the back picks his hole and cuts it back or doesn't cut it back and um, you know, it, it's and then you kind of flip the you flip a little bit. We we talk a lot about Detroit's offense and what what is the Saints offense going to do? Uh, can Derek Carr work with, with you know, a, a receiving core that looks a lot and sounds a lot like the, the 2022 receiving core with, you know, Marquez Callaway probably, Keith Kirkwood. I mean, if you don't have I and mean, you don't have Sheehy. Let's say so you don't have those two. So you're looking at Calloway, Lynn Bowden, A.T. Perry rookie, Keith Kirkwood, and then probably an uh, an active uh, Jimmy Graham who has not been active uh, in the last four games. And so it's, what will they be able to do? Can Jamal Williams, you know, he, I, don't, I don't expect we'll see Kendra Miller because of his injury again. And so Jamal Williams was a former Lion, big off-season acquisition, had the 17 touchdowns, which led the NFL, somewhat misleading because there were 10 of those scores were from one yard out. But he also had 1,066 yards. I mean, he had a career-high year last year, and he just hasn't really gotten on track he's got 137 yards I'd love to see him get uncorked against his uh his former team and, and you know really take some pressure off of Derek Carr and Alvin Kamara
1: none of this though when you talk about the receiving core it strikes me that it doesn't bode well for scoring in the red zone right
2: mm-hmm.
1: unless they can you know run, run the ball uh, you yeah.
3: know I and or you know we've only seen Jimmy Graham one time in the red zone and that was in the green Bay game. He caught an eight yard touchdown. So, you know, Jawan Johnson, I think can be a a much better, uh, red zone target. Uh, you know, or, you know, how about, and Detroit has 14 of their touchdowns have come outside of the red zone. How about we just, when you, before you get to the 20, you sell a 28 yard touchdown pass. (laughs) So you can do it uh, many ways, but, uh, yeah I think that you've got to figure out a way to score inside the 20. I mean, you're moving the ball too well, 20 to 20. I mean, it's a little mental now, but you've got to. It's not, it's it's you can have a 1,000 yards game. Nobody cares because if you just kick field goals, you know, it's field goals against touchdowns. In the last two weeks, Detroit has not even attempted a field goal. They're not even attempted wow. one. Saints have, you know, attempted seven. Uh, and you know Detroit goes for it on fourth down I mean they're the, they're the most aggressive fourth down team there is I mean they've you know 27 times they've gone for it on fourth down uh, so you know we'll see because the Saints are going to yeah. have you know different you know, if Shaheed doesn't go you're going to have you know a different person back there situationally probably for kickoffs and punts uh, who, who you know who's that person going to be and probably different people depending on the situation, but. You, you know, you, when you lose a Shahid, you lose him in, in a couple of places.
1: Mike, let's pivot a little bit. We've been in kind of uncharted territory over this past week, right? Members of the management having to come out and kind of defend, um, you know, um, who's who's out on the field, who's on the sideline, things of that na- nature, a lot of chatter. Um, seems, It seems like there's – I guess frustration is the best way to put yeah. it in and, and, and well, I, people I'm are just probably
3: putting it mildly, you know, I mean, you, the, you know, I, I sit, I sit in that chair, you know, that you're in, I look in that, I look at that talking text line and go, wow. And people are, people are, uh, I mean, they're just upset. They're, they're frustrated. They're, they had a lot of expectations. It's five and six. It's the same thing each week. And they, and they feel like it just needs to be better. And, and they're not they probably aren't getting the responses. Uh, that they like them, but you know this, this would happen anywhere after a seven and ten team, uh, and then five and six the, the following season. So I mean, there there are jobs on the line with six games to go, and th- four of them at home. Uh, what does this what does this team do in these final six games? Um, because that that is going to dictate so much of what the off season looks like. Uh, you, know, you know, I tried your, your to be.
1: And I was going to say, I try to be as objective as anyone. And, you know, I look at the game f- purely from the perspective of are we executing, right? You and I talked about this before. Early in the season, the Saints were missing moments, right? Um, and and now it's it's almost – it's more than missing moments. They just, in some cases, they're missing their responsibilities individually yeah. and collectively sometimes where – you know, they call a play. The play ought to work. They just didn't block. <laughs> I mean, Don't block on some cases. Receiver doesn't run the route on some cases.
3: Car, yeah. Basically, you know, laces. Oh, there's a lot of things. And, I mean, and in some, some cases, I think
1: they're they're getting out physical. You know, they, oh, yeah. they, the other team is more physical. And you see that reveal itself so many times during the game. I'm like, oh, man, they just put some whoop-ass on this guy. Yeah, in the final two drives of the Atlanta game
3: and really the first half of Minnesota, first half of Chicago, you know, uh, Jacksonville, uh, you know, they come out of the second half and and, and tackle better, but they've not had it, you know, as as they needed it early on. They've got to get off to a better start uh, in in football games. But, I mean, to me, you look at last week and, you know, they're up three nothing. Could have been seven nothing for, with the received possible touchdown, and then the pick six. I mean, you're getting ready to go up at worst six nothing, at best ten nothing, and instead you're down seven three, and then you drive yeah. right back down, have to kick another field goal, and it's seven six. And Atlanta has done nothing, and they're winning the game yeah. seven to six. Uh, and so those, it, and then in the fourth quarter, you're, you know you're one score game, Taysom fumbles at the five, rare right. I mean, he's had a monster right. game. And he's, you know, trying to put the team on his back, and it's the last play of the third quarter. And, you know, you put the ball in the end zone there, I think it's a different game. But, you know, if yeah.
1: and oh, no shoulda, woulda, coulda, I mean, good gosh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, that, would, that would be an appropriate way to put it right now, right? Right. right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, it's coulda, woulda, shoulda. I mean, you look at it,
3: that's what, that's, that's what we do The in, in the, the last few weeks. it's like, well, if, if you'd have scored on that one, then, you know, that the, the next play, the, the pick six doesn't happen. Well, you know, different things. It's, it's just kind of
1: yeah. what you do when you're yeah. five and six. Absolutely, no doubt. Well, we'll be watching. We'll be listening. I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be a physical game. If they're not physical, they 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 could lose by more than what folks are predicting. I think
3: they're going to have to play well. They're going to play a very very good game against a very very good team. But you know, maybe this is what they need: be underdogs at home
1: and. Have yep. no one think he can do it. That's why they say on any given day, shot. right? That's right, man. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Mike. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Great job. Anytime, Bill. Thanks, Bob. Uh, all right, folks. That's Mike Haas, voice of the New Orleans Saints. Listen to him on eight seventy one oh five three for the Saints. Uh, just you know, turn the TV down. Listen to. the Mike and Deuce, and you'll, you'll get a much better perspective of what's actually happening out on the field. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.
1: Let's go to the talk lines. We got Jerry out in the parish. Jerry, what say you?
3: Hey, um, this is what I don't get. Well, first of all, look, I've been a fan since the Tulane Stadium days, like a lot of people. Okay, Mm -hmm. so I bleed the black and gold. We right now we got we got the wrong coach, a bad quarterback, and then a lot of other problems on the team. But what I don't understand is why don't they let Taysom Hill? be the quarterback why go out and give somebody a hundred million dollars who's never been good, good anywhere he played Taysom's uh, big and strong he's fast he's a beast when he's running the ball he's an accurate passer he knows the offense what's the problem with that
1: well you know Jerry I, I try to put myself in, in the shoes of of the decision makers I mean you made the decision you brought uh, Derek Carr in he's there yeah. Uh, it is what it is. I mean, the fact of the matter is, we're still tied for first, right? We're at five and six. Atlanta's five and six. They win the tiebreaker. Um, we can disrupt that by by beating them at home. So we're still in it for the playoffs. Now, where are we go into playoffs, we don't know. So we're, it's not it's not all for naught. It's not like if we were Carolina, one and ten, right? Right, um, right. And and we need to develop the consistency uh, of the players that are out there. I mean, as someone who's managed folks, that's what I would do. I mean, I I would be looking for the consistency and unless there's, unless Derek Carr is so far out of the realm of, of reality, I wouldn't pull him. Now that doesn't mean I, I wouldn't use Taysom Hill, uh, and maybe have him throw more passes, when they're thinking he's going to run and try and, and confuse the defense. I mean, I think there are a number of things we can do. Um, there's no doubt that a running a quarterback who can run a little bit would help the Saints right now. But I don't know the proficiency of Taysom Hill's arm. I really don't. I mean, and we haven't tested that proficiency of his arm in a full game in a, in a while. Um, and I think these are all things that they're thinking about, but – you know, you you put your best foot forward based on what you're seeing in practice. What's happening? This isn't all on Derek Carr, and it's not all on Dennis Allen. I mean, well,
3: I know that we got
1: we got some players that just are not executing, and the problem is, at one time we had a lot of depth. We have had a lot of injuries now. I mean, it's hard. I mean, we, we have been very fortunate. We've played the chess game on the offensive line for about four years running now, and two of the four years, it 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 we did well. I mean, it worked well for us. It, at some point, these things catch up to you. Um, I hadn't written them off. I'll be there Sunday, listening, you know, watching the game and listening to Deuce and um, and Mike. But uh, you know, we're still in the thick of these this uh as crazy as it sounds at five and six but we are and the goal is to make it to the playoffs and you never know when you're going to catch a team that's in the predicament that we are right now in the first round that may have injuries quarterbacks out this one's out you never know you could get deep just by being lucky and that's the crazy thing that's what i love about the league quite frankly a lot of parity. I'm looking at the, at the records here. Other than Philly being kind of the big outlier out there, there's a lot of parity as it relates to where people stand right now in their records throughout uh, the entire league. So it's going to be interesting. But we shall see. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Good luck to the Tulane Green Wave. They play for the championship tomorrow at 3 o'clock over at Ullman Stadium. Scoot's up next. What do we have coming up, Scoot? Well, we'll talk about the ousting of George Santos. Uh, Angel Reese is back on the court, and she's talking about uh, that. Saints and the Lions, is there any reason to be optimistic? And we'll have some highlights of the debate between DeSantis and Newsom last night. Plus, where does New Orleans rank in the list of the 50 rudest cities in America? All righty. Scoot's coming your way on free for all Friday. Stay tuned. Hope you had enjoyed today's show and hope you have a great weekend.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.